Well, hey, guys. Thank you for saying hi back so I didn't feel stupid. How are we doing tonight? Pretty good? I feel like we can have conversation because there's like 20 of us tonight, so. Guys, I had a, uh, a message prepared for tonight, and it was supposed to be on money and on giving. And after Sunday morning service, I was reading over it. And have you ever wrote something out and looked at it and just gone, man, that is crap? <laughs> Uh, that was one of those things today. Um, and so I'm not preaching on money or giving tonight. Instead, tonight I'm actually preaching on something that ties perfectly into the sermon series that we were just in, Catalyst. Now I know I said last week that that was going to be the last one, um, but we talked about in the first week, what is a catalyst? And we talked about how because a shepherd has gone before us, we're enabled to go and preach the Word of God. And then last week, we talked about how God equips us. And so tonight, I want to talk about a way that God sustains us. You know, life is hard sometimes, and I know each and every one of us walk through valleys. And sometimes life can feel so burdensome, but there is one thing that can sustain us. And I believe that to be praise. So tonight, before we really dig deep into this message, would you just pray with me? God, I thank you for this group of people who are here. Um, Lord, I just thank you that in each of our hearts in this room, you're doing a work. And Lord, I just pray that tonight as we we talk about praise, that we'll remember who you are um, and that this whole night will be about you. God, I just, I thank you for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A few weeks ago, I was dog-sitting uh, at a house, and they had one of those new smart televisions. I mean, this TV could sync to your phone, could sync to your computer. It had a printer hooked up to it. It was touchscreen. I mean, it was a smart TV. And like smartphones, the TV made me feel very stupid. Uh, I, I don't like when technology is smarter than me. I mean, this thing had three remotes just to turn it on. And uh, so I, I remember... You know, while I was just trying to watch some news, I'm, I'm going through these remotes, clicking every button I can possibly touch because I know that that's going to be effective, just to try to turn the stupid TV on. And so I'm yelling at the TV, screaming at the TV, also very effective. Um, as smart as the TV is, apparently it can't respond to verbal interaction. And uh, I had a friend over, and he kept saying, Blake, Blake. And I kept just saying, Shut up, I'm yelling at the TV. And eventually he got my attention and he just said, Blake, the TV's not plugged in. <laughs> yeah. Talk about feeling like an idiot. Um, <clears throat> but my, my point to that is, it's awesome to have at our disposal something that's really powerful. But it's even better when we understand how to use that which, that which is powerful. We forget sometimes, I think, as a church and as Christians, that we have a weapon in our arsenal that has the power to break chains. Some of us have chains. Um, we're, we're bound by addictions and things that are holding us back from truly living abundant lives. Some of us, our chains are, are things in the past that we just can't get rid of, whether that's bitterness or whether that's just doubt to move forward because of who we once were. You see, when we praise, it has the power to break chains. We put out on our Facebook today, come find out about what the problem is with our praise. And what that literally means is our praise can become a problem for our problems. Our praise can become a problem for our problems. 
And so maybe if your problem is you struggle with looking at the wrong things on the computer and in that moment you say, you know what, I'm just going to proclaim the name of Jesus because that's what praise is. It's directing your heart and your mind to the Father. I guarantee you, you're not going to go on that website again in that moment. Praise redirects you from doing something and walking into sin. It creates a problem for your problem. Maybe right now your marriage is kind of on the rocks. Satan loves to, to weave his way into relationships. And, and you guys know that you're a three-strand cord, not easily broken, founded on the word of God, but Satan is just constantly whispering in your ears, maybe you need to step back and just praise Jesus in the valley. Praise Jesus in the brokenness, because when you do that, you look to a Savior who has a plan for your life. You look to a God who has an ideal and says, you know what, I was faithful for you before, I'll be faithful for you through all of this. And eventually that problem seems so much smaller than it really is. So small. Uh, Tonight I want to read through a passage in Scripture that talks about Silas and Paul, two guys who really didn't have a place to be praising where they were. They were in prison, and it's from Acts chapter 16. We're starting in verse 23, if you guys, or 25 rather, if you have your Bibles. And it says this, Along about midnight, now I'm going to stop after the first three words, because to me those first three words have meaning. Along about midnight. Guys, sometimes it's in the darkest places of our life. It's in those midnight moments where we have a hard time seeing any kind of light, where our praise needs to be the loudest. Continuing on, it says, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. Probably, Lord, I need you. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Now, again, I want to pause. Scripture says that the prisoners couldn't believe their ears. You know, people expect Christians to rejoice and to praise when there's victory in our lives or when circumstances are good. But what about when they're bad? They didn't expect Paul and Silas to be singing praises in the prison. And I think this is a good example for us to remember that people are always watching. It doesn't matter what your circumstances might be, whether you're in the valley or on a mountain, people are watching, looking to you to see how you respond. They were surprised by the praise. And then, without a warning, a huge earthquake. The jailhouse tottered. Every door flew open, and all the prisoners were loose. Now, in some translations of this scripture, right there it says, all of the prisoners' chains fell off. And I think that that's speaking to when we come together as a congregation, when we come together as a fellowship of believers, and it just shows the power of praise when we come together as a group of people. Even somebody who who is in prison, who doesn't want those chains to fall off, those chains can't help but fall off when we're praising around them. Some of us come in here sometimes, I think, with the mentality of, ugh, I don't even want to be here. And our ears are closed and our eyes are closed. But the power of praise, community praise, opens eyes and opens ears of people who aren't even wanting to receive it because that is the power of Jesus. It says, startled from sleep, the jailer saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to do himself in, figuring he was as good as dead anyways. When Paul stopped him, don't do that, we're all still here, nobody's ran away. I love that Paul says that, because it's proof that praise, when he praised Jesus, he remembered the man who died on a cross for him. He remembered what grace looked like. 
Yes, sometimes when we praise, it helps us be able to love even our most worst enemy. And yes, I know that's horrible grammar. Forgive me for that. (laughs) But it helps us be able to forgive people that's hurt us, that's caused us pain. Because when we, when we look to Jesus and we see that grace, we can't help but extend it to somebody else because we know that we would be nowhere without the grace that's been given to us. Scripture continues and it says that the jailer got a torch and ran inside. Badly shaken, he collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? I love this part. To really live. And they said, put your entire trust in the master Jesus. Then you will live as you were meant to live, and everyone in your house included, meaning that everyone in the house will be saved. And so scripture says that they went on to spell out in detail the story of the master. The entire family got in on this part, so they were. And they never did get to go to bed. The jailer made them feel at home and dressed their wounds. And I love that last part of scripture where it says that the jailer dressed their wounds because it's proof that when we praise Jesus, he can work even the most broken relationship. He can work those people that hurt you, that caused you wounds into something where they are speaking healing truth into your life. That's the power of our God. And it all starts with praise. It all starts with praise. You know, so many times... I feel like people walk into church and they constantly are saying the excuse, I just don't feel like lifting my hands today, or I just don't feel like worshiping God, or maybe it's something where you're at a restaurant and you can tell that there's something on your waiter's mind. You can tell that he's just burdened, and you know that God is telling you, you know what, you need to talk to this guy. I've done this before, so I know that it's probably happened to you too, and you just go, God, not today. I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. Guys, our praise has to overcome our preference. You know, I I think about Jesus, and I'm pretty sure he didn't feel like dying on a cross for you and for me, but he did. I'm pretty sure that Jesus didn't really wake up one day and feel like being separated from his Father, but he did for you and for me. He did for you and for me out of an act of sacrificial love. You see, so many times we think that praise is meant to be driven on feeling, but the Bible doesn't talk about feeling really ever. So I don't know why that word is even in our vernacular. What it does talk about is choosing to make a sacrificial, sacrificial decision to praise Jesus, to rejoice always, to love people. You guys, it's a choice whether we praise or whether we dwell in bitterness and just loathing wherever we might be. You see, your praise has to become a priority, not your feelings. Your praise actually can become a problem to those feelings that have so often dictated your actions, decided the way that you lived your life. I remember when I was like 14, I went on my first youth trip, and um, it was the first time that I have ever been to a place where people raised their hands during worship. And I remember after the service, I was talking to uh, the person that took me down there, my mentor at the time, and I remember saying to him, man, I'm never going to be one of those people. I am never going to drink the charismatic Kool-Aid. That's just not me. And uh, he was one of those people, you know, that raised his hand. And so I said, why do you even do that? And he said, well, Blake, we're just doing that as an act of surrender. And uh, then he went on and he said, 
And I understand that the only reason that you don't want to raise your hands is because you're concerned with what people might think of you in the church. And because you're worried about what people might think of you in the church, you'll never be effective outside of the church. And it was at that point when I was like, okay, whoa, I'll raise my hands. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like in church we, um, we feel so burdened to raise our hands, but we just don't. Something holds us back. And so tonight I just want to tell you that if you've ever felt like raising your hands, the reason that we do that in this church is because if you're in a dark alley and somebody points a gun at your back, what's the first thing you're going to do? You throw your hands up. Whoa, whoa, man, I surrender, you know? This is the ultimate, most universal sign of surrender. Sometimes I feel like in church we, uh, we throw the worship frisbees, you know? We don't leave our hands up long enough for people to actually think that we're worshiping. We kind of do this because it makes us feel good. My other favorite way of worship is the, the single girl worship, where she throws up her left hand, and it's like, I love you, Jesus. Also, look at the ring finger. You know? That happens in church all the time, guys. I promise. I look. Um. <clears throat> but it's those places in our life where we don't feel like worshiping, where we don't feel like giving God praise where we should raise our hands. Because basically what we're doing is we're reminding our soul who we serve. A God and a master who is so much bigger than our problems, than our emotions, than our circumstances, and our feelings. We need to remind ourselves who we are surrendered to. A God who can bring healing and restoration in each and every one of our lives. I have a friend and he's a adamant atheist is what I call him because I feel like he's one of those people and you probably have people like this in your life who no matter what you say to them, he's just stubborn. He probably thinks the same about me, but he's just hard-headed. And he always is saying, Blake, why do all those Christian people, and yes, that's my atheist voice, why do all those Christian people constantly feel like they need to remind God of how great he is? That's a pretty self-conscious God. And I think there's a misconception in church that praise, the songs that we sing are meant to just pump up God and his ego, but God is the God of the universe who took dust and made us. He doesn't need to be pumped up. And so what I always tell him is, those songs that we sing are anthems. We sing, this is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that he would take my place, that he would bear my cross, not so God knows who he is, but so we never forget So we never forget who he is and what he's done in our lives. Those are anthems for us. We sing, he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am the tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy because I never want to forget what he did for me on the cross. Because when life is crazy and hectic and painful, I want to remember that I have a God who loves me, who is jealous for me and doesn't want me to drift away, who's always going to be there. We sing, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you to remind ourselves that we need God. It's an anthem. Praise is an anthem. The Holy Spirit isn't insecure. That's what I always tell him. It's not like our God is insecure. It's not like he, he's in church on Sunday morning or Sunday night going, well, the fifth pew could have really sang that a little louder and it's kind of making me wonder if they're believing in me this week. He doesn't, it's not about that. It's praise is all about redirecting our hearts and minds to Jesus, to something that is greater than where we are in life. Holy Spirit is an insecure. insecure. 
The last point that I want to really talk about is, is this, and you can write it down or put it in your smartphone. And it's this message that we are confined to our confession. We are confined to our confession. Now, what I mean by that is, when we're singing those praise anthems, when we're singing, this is amazing grace, and Lord, I need you, and reminding ourselves of those things, we're confining ourselves to what we're saying and doing. So we're putting ourselves in the mindset of Jesus. But when we feel sorry for ourselves, when we say, I just don't feel like it, I don't want to praise God, or we have those days where we, we're like, I know God, but I'm kind of angry at him right now because my life is kind of crap, and you know what, I'm just not going to do this. I'm just not going to go to church. When we live here, we're, we're confining ourselves to our confession, and so we're going to stay there. So we have a choice, each and every one of us, every single day. Are we going to confess with not just our words, but our actions to live here? in pursuit of Jesus and his goodness and reminding ourselves of what he's already done and how he's been faithful? Are we going to just keep ourselves in this little box of feeling sorry for ourselves? I don't want to live down here. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live down here because I know for a fact Jesus isn't going to use me when I'm down here, when I'm feeling sorry for myself. And maybe you're in a place in your life and, and it's really, really rough, but you're reminding yourself and, and your confession is, you know what, God, I need you. And God looks at that and he says, you know what? Because you praised me in this, because you were faithful to me, I'm gonna show you my faithfulness and I'm gonna use you through this. And you're gonna feel so abundant and so full, something that that person will never experience living down there. Guys, I constantly wanna be in praise because I don't wanna miss out on blessings because I feel sorry for myself or I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like talking to the Father or singing praise to his name. So there's two things that, um, that are reasons for us to praise. And the first is that there is so much that God has already done in his life, in our lives, that first off, we haven't given him credit for. And second, that we don't even know he has done. When I read this story about Paul and Silas, I don't think that they could have ever imagined after they started singing a hymn that there would be an earthquake and all these chains would fall off and then a whole family would be saved because of it. I don't think they believed that or knew that or, or even could have imagined that that would happen. But what I do believe is that they were trusting a God who had proven himself time and time and time again. And so when they were sent into prison, I think they pretty much said, you know what, no biggie, God's got this. And so they started singing praise based upon what God had already done in their life. Sometimes that's what we have to do, guys. Sometimes we have to look at ourselves and look at our lives and look at the times where God has reached down his hand and pulled us out of the darkest places we have ever been and realize that God was faithful and he's still in this, no matter how bad or hard or dark your life might be right now in this season. And the second reason, and it kind of goes along with this, the first reason was because of what God has already done. The second is because of what God is going to do. Guys, God is going to do something immeasurably greater than we could comprehend, than we could dream about, than we could ask. And some of you guys are sitting in your seats going, oh, he's Joel Olstein, inspirational speaking right now, but I'm not. That's straight from Scripture. That is straight from Ephesians 3, verse 20. And it says this, God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Anything far more than you could ever imagine or dream. 
And that's a reason to praise. Because no matter where you are in your life, no matter how dark or bleak it might seem, when you can lift your hands and surrender to a father and trust that he's going to do something insanely incredible in your life and have faith that he will. Because it's promised to us right here in Scripture. We have that promise. I think sometimes we also overcomplicate this praise thing. Sometimes it's just about us showing up. We don't just praise God in church. We praise him all throughout our days when we see people. And I think sometimes we get discouraged when we don't see this full cycle. When we, when we praise Jesus, when we say his name, or we minister to a person, and we plant the seed, and when we drop that, that seed, we expect it to be watered and for a tree to be grown and fruit to be on that tree like that. And when that doesn't happen, it, it upsets us and it frustrates us and it bothers us. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to drop seeds. And guys, what I mean by that is, is like this life is so empty of people dropping praise seeds that even the smallest little thing can be a praise seed. You can be in class and just look at somebody that you've never talked to and say, you know what, man, those are sweet shoes. And then they say, oh, thanks, you like shoes? And you start this conversation and you say, hey, you know what, I go to this church, want to come with me? You drop the seed. Or maybe it's when you're with your coworkers and uh, you know that the person who is going through a really hard time in your life, in his life rather, um, you know he doesn't know Jesus. And so you just say, you know what, man, I'm praying for you. And then you walk away. And you don't get frustrated or discouraged, but you trust God to do the rest. You trust God to water that seed, but you have to have faith to say his name, to direct yourself to praise first. Sometimes we just need to show up. And as the band comes back up to the stage, I want to ask that if you're in a prison season of your life right now, don't give up. Have you ever been in a prison season? Been in a place where you just feel caged, boxed in, like you'll never be able to escape or get out. Well, I hope that this is a story of, of hope and of inspiration to you because during this time where they were thrown in jail, instead of getting bitter, instead of getting angry, instead of giving up on God, they turned to him. They started singing his praises. And because of their faithfulness, the chains fell off And so we have this promise, we have this truth that if you are in a prison season of life, if you just look to Jesus, those chains will fall off. Maybe you struggle with looking at yourself in the mirror and only seeing that man or that woman that you once were. Give it to Jesus and those chains will fall off. Maybe you are struggling with an addiction that is literally crippling you. It's causing you to become a person who doesn't do well with other people. It's pushing away the people that love you the most. Turn to Jesus. Praise his name through the dark season of your life. The chains will fall off. Guys, we serve a God who breaks chains. Would you pray with me? God, tonight... While the message was short, I pray that it was impactful and I know that it's speaking to me uh, because so often I, I don't feel like praising you. So often my emotions and my circumstances tell me to not even consider you. 
God, forgive me for that. And right now in this moment, I just I'm lifting my hands and surrender, saying, God, help me in those moments that I don't feel like praising you to remember what you did on the cross. God, help me use praise as a weapon to become a problem for my problems. Lord, tonight as we close in this last song, I just ask that you move in this place and that you would free people from this feeling of not being able to completely worship you. And God, tonight, if there's a person in this room tonight who doesn't know you who is chained by something it just feels so hopeless Lord would you show them your love and your presence tonight God just thank you for your grace thank you for being a God worthy of our praise there's power in your name Jesus We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. So tonight, I just want to challenge you to truly praise God. You might have walked in here with burdens on your heart, with with things that you're just dealing with, and you might have walked in here tired, worn down from this weekend. I know I am. I just encourage you to not lean in on what you're feeling, but make a choice right now in this place to praise God. to to look to Jesus and the cross and to look back on your life at every single time God's been faithful to you. Let this be a moment where you recenter and refocus your heart and your spirit on Him. And I promise you, it will fill you up. It will fill you up and enable you to be able to go out of this place and be sustained to be a catalyst. So would you just praise tonight as we sing this song? You can respond by bringing your offering forward, taking the communion. Maybe you just need some time alone with God just to pray with Him. Whatever it is, I just encourage you to respond during this time.
he is jealous. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree.
Father God, as we sing those words, would you show us those areas in our life? Maybe there's areas in our life that we're holding on to, that we're so aware of, that just eat at us, that we're just not surrendering to you. God, maybe there's areas in our life that we have no idea that we need to surrender to you. God, maybe it's the way that we live. Maybe it's the way that we act at work. Maybe it's the way that we act at home. Maybe it's the way that we act when nobody's looking. But God, would you give us the awareness and the courage to lay those, those areas at your feet. And maybe it's just as simple as this, learning to walk just our daily walk. I like how Blake put that, to just drop praise seed. To just be intentional about the conversations that we have, about the people that we work with, that we go to school with, that we hang out with, maybe the folks that are on our kids, you know, soccer team or whatever. I know one of the biggest kind of shames in the church is empty pews, and the, the only reason for that is that that means that there's people out there that aren't hearing your gospel, and so God, would you make us people on a mission, in Jesus' name, amen, we have one more song, this is a song about trusting God, and I love, I love the imagery that it's a song we've all heard before. I love the imagery that's used. And as a guy who's afraid of water, there's probably nothing more terrifying than a wave kind of crashing over me and taking me over. Um, so this is a song about keeping your eyes on Jesus in that time.
เขาจะได้อะไรถ้าเขาทำแบบนี้ทุกวันเขาจะไม่ได้อะไรเลยไม่ได้รวยขึ้นไม่ได้ออกทีวีไม่มีใครรู้จักไม่ได้มีชื่อเสียงที่มากขึ้นเ
ราะสิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุขได้เข้าใจได้ความรักได้ในสิ่งที่เงินซื้อไม่ได้ได้โลกที่สวยงามกว่าเดิมในชีวิตคุณอะไรคือสิ่งที่คุณต้องการมากที่สุดไทยประกันชีวิตเชื่อในความดี So the first time I watched this video, I felt like a total pansy because I cried my eyes out. Um, but you know, we come into this place as a church, and a lot of times we don't talk about what happens after we leave the doors. And I think the best gift that I could possibly give you all is the gift of being able to give, um, because what you saw in that video is somebody whose life was full because of them acting out their faith through loving people. And so everybody should have a green sheet of paper. You guys have this? If you do, hold it up. Let me see that you got it. All right. So like three of you. Awesome. <laughs> this sheet is for Burlington Baptist Cares Day for this year, and I just wanted to take a second to go through this list because it's pretty vague, and I just want to explain to you what each thing is. The first thing on the list is the free store food giveaway. Uh, the truck arrives at eight o'clock. We've done this for the last couple of years if you've been around, and basically what happens is a huge truck filled with a ton of food comes. We set up tables, and we've given out over 100 vouchers to people in the community, um, and they can come and they can get tons and tons and tons of food. This year, we're going to have turkeys because of Thanksgiving, um, pies, desserts, all kinds of stuff to be able to give them. But we need people to help organize the food to unload it off of the truck, and then the giveaway starts at. It, this says nine o'clock, but it's actually 9:30. Um, so if you can participate in that, go ahead and check that box. I'm hoping to get a bunch of these back with all these boxes checked. So bear with me. The second thing is. Soups, soup and coats. Um, what that is is there's actually a huge community of people who are homeless right around us. Um, people that are living behind the water tower in Florence. People that are living in the woods off of 42. Um, and th these are people that are legitimate that are trying to work, trying to get back on their feet. That life is just kind of knocking down. And um, so what we want to do is we want to go out with uh, trucks filled with um, <coughs> containers of soup, bread. Um, water, drinks, all kinds of stuff, and just be able to feed these people for a day. Um, that we're leaving around lunchtime on this day to do that. And the coats thing—it's going to be cold. Um, and so we we were talking back and forth. You know, what else can we do for these people who are homeless? And one of the ideas was every person who goes to hand out soup can wear an extra jacket. And so during that time, where you have this communication with people and you're able to talk to them about Jesus, before you leave, you can take off your coat and say, "Here, I want you to have this." Um, I think that that's a really, really great way to show that we truly love the community and the people in it. The next thing is jail ministry. Um, we just started doing kind of jail ministry here at the church, and um, they really, really have a need for paperback books. Um, they're not allowed to have hardback books, hard binding, but if you guys have extra paperback books laying around, um, preferably not ones that are really violent or anything like that, but positive books that these people can read, please, please donate those books. The second part of that is write a letter for the inmates. Um, about two weeks ago, I went to see one of my friends who's in jail, and um, 
through conversation, I hadn't seen him in a year and a half, but through conversation he said, man, why have you never wrote to me? And uh, he said that really would have meant a lot. And that kind of bothered me because it was like, man, why haven't I? All you have to do is write a letter, and we have a list of all the inmates in Trenton County and Boone County. And we're going to just give these people as many letters as we possibly can, offering them hope and encouragement. Um, that letter might be the only thing that they get in ways of encouragement for years. Um, so that's really, really impactful. And then the next thing is one more letter. And this kind of goes along with writing letters for the jail ministry. But this is actually a movement. Um, Chris and I, when we were at Catalyst, the person who started this was there, and she spoke about it. And it was a girl who was living in the Bronx. And she was really, really battling with depression and with loneliness. And one day she was on a bus. And while she was on the bus, this older woman got on. And for whatever reason, her heart was just burdened for this older woman. And so she starts writing this letter to her. Well, she gets so wrapped up in writing this letter that the lady gets off the bus. And so instead of just throwing away the letter, she puts the letter down in her seat for somebody else to come along and pick up. And she had left her contact information on it. And about a week later, a girl contacted her and said, that letter that you left really changed my life. And I wrote a letter, and I left it somewhere. And so it's this whole movement of people writing these encouraging letters that just speak truth in life and then trusting that God is going to place them in the right hands. And so on that day, um, we want to write 50 letters to just leave in public places, in restaurants, in between books at the library. Um, so if you would either just like to write a letter and donate it to the church, you can do that. Or you can go with us um, to distribute those. Or you can even do that, you know, now, when you guys go out to eat tonight. You know, or tomorrow, or, or throughout your day. This is something that you can do all the time that really could change people's lives. And then the next one is um, baked goods. We're looking for people to donate pies, cookies, cakes, or any kind of fall treats. We take those to the policemen, um, to the fire station, to the nurses, to bankers. People who are the service people who are really underappreciated a lot of the time. And then the Black Friday thing is actually something new this year. We're going to set up a tent in the Coles parking lot during Black Friday. Um, we'll probably start about 1 o'clock, but we have permission to advertise for church, for Thrive. We can talk about Jesus all we want. Um, and we're going to have coffee, hot chocolate, food being donated to us from Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's going to be awesome. We've got a lot of really, really great stuff. So, yeah, come out for free Chick-fil-A if nothing else. Um, it'll be a really good time, though, and a really great way for us to reach out um, to a lot of different people. And the last thing on there is probably the easiest thing, and I think everyone could probably do this, is the gift cards. Um, you can just donate a $10 gift card to wherever, um, to a food place or to Kroger or somewhere, um, to the church. Those are going to go towards our local waitresses and waiters. Um, everybody knows that that job sucks. Being in the food industry sucks. And so around the holiday season, we just want to do something for them that's a little bit different, a little bit special, that might be able to help them through this time and this season. So guys, I encourage you to check as many of those as you feel like you can do. And you can just give them to me, or you can bring them up and drop them in the bucket. Would you pray with me before we leave tonight? God, as we leave this place, I just pray that even though we're tired and even though this has been a long weekend, I just pray that we can leave this place filled um, because we worship you, because we encountered you tonight and you spoke truth into our lives. And God, I just pray that you would continue to sustain us in our week, to hold us up, and uh, to draw us closer to you. God, I just pray that we would all be able to be ministers wherever we are. We would all be able to drop those tray seeds wherever we are and trust that you're going to water that seed and grow it up as a strong tree rooted in you with fruit. Lord, I just pray for these people. Um, I just pray that you pour blessings upon them because they are awesome. And they're my family.
And God, I just want to pray for this community as we prepare for Burlington Baptist Thursday. Uh, God, would you just open hearts right now, begin opening their hearts, uh, preparing them to be receptive to our acts of, of love, and that they won't see people doing kind gestures, but they'll see people who look like Jesus. We ask all these things in your son's mighty name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.